Welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. In each episode, we'll discuss a different safeguarding topic with a range of expert speakers. Please be aware some of this content is sensitive and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Safeguarding Podcast. My name is Melanie Harding. I am Head of Marketing and Communications here at the Safeguarding Company, so I'm your guest host for today. And we're joined uh, by Gronya, Gronya Hallahan. Did I pronounce your name correctly? You did. I mean, it's one of those ones where you pronounce it differently in Ireland compared to England. I say Gronya, but Gronya. I always find it an English accent, like the Gronya. My mum calls me Gronya. <laughs> It's, it's one of those ones where it's slightly different in, with, the, with an Irish accent. Fantastic, thank you. Um, and can you tell me a bit about your background, uh, what you do at Tez? Um, because you're a, you're a senior analyst there, I understand, and you work for Tez magazine. Can you tell me a bit about that? So being on, on analysis means that I look at how do schools operate, like what's all the sort of interesting detail about how their day-to-day life goes ahead I look at exam results I look at staffing I look at all of the like the structural stuff behind how schools run and we we look at reports that come out from the government from different bodies that that analyze education and we we take that that information consolidate it and put it into lovely readable pieces for leaders in education to, to read and digest at their leisure and yeah, that's that's really my job, taking all the sort of dry reports that come out about education and making mm-hmm. it readable and pulling out the relevant stuff that people in schools need to know. Fantastic. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Tez have just, well, in the last year, uh, published the School Wellbeing Report. Mm. So can you tell me a bit about that? What was the kind of reason behind it? Um, and why did they go about doing it? So we do love a report in education, don't we? From the children that get their school reports to the reports that we get out regularly from the Department for Education. But we've got our own, you know, the best and only report you need, the annual Test School Wellbeing Report. And we do this every year and it's a little bit like a temperature check to see where teachers are feeling about school, about their workload, about their, their attitude towards the job that they have. And so it's a very revealing questionnaire that tells us a lot about, about what's going on in schools. So... It, this year's one was particularly interesting because, of course, we've had the, the pandemic where we continue to do the report and we can compare results to what, what the feelings were in schools at that point. And we found that this year staff are no happier than they were at the height of the pandemic, which is quite disappointing. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, we know that stress levels really went up during the pandemic, but it seems mm-hmm. that they've they've gone up and they've not really come down again. And, the you know, we, we did this the surveys when the staff pay was still you know it's been kind of resolved now but this was when Mm. everything was very much up in the air with all the union strikes and we weren't sure what the pay deal was going to look like in 2023-24 which we have more of a sense of it now but yes you know the the main takeaways are that workload is still really difficult for staff to manage and that there's lots of worries with teachers about funding in schools yeah and is this the is this the third time that the report's been published is it it's been run a number of years now hasn't it that's right yes and you know it's been we've done lots we've always spent time talking to people who read the magazine and getting their their opinions on things but this is the third formal report that we've put out about um staff well-being brilliant thanks so with this in mind i mean what are the 
the particular pressure points in schools that have been highlighted through the report. We could probably talk about some that were always front of mind, but what's really come out of the report, would you say? So I think some of the, the key things that have come out are the feelings about workload. So one in five of the people who responded to the report said their um, workload is manageable. Only one in five. Wow. And that hasn't improved since the survey that we did last year. Two thirds of the respondents said that their school isn't well funded and that this is having a direct effect on how the staff feel that they're performing. So 43% say they don't have enough resources to do their job. And that obviously naturally has an impact on their sense of well-being. We had more than half say they don't feel that they've got a voice about how things are run in their school. And that's an increase from last year who said the same. So we had 51% this year and it was 49% last year. And it looks like this is a trend that's increasing, that more and more staff feel that in their school, they don't have as much of a voice about, you know, how things are run, what they can teach in the classroom, what, you know, the behaviour policy is. And that feeling of not being heard, not having your your thoughts listened to, obviously impacts upon our our feelings of well-being because it it says a lot about us as professionals about a per, as a teacher as a professional if 100%. their views aren't being recognized and then um i think this links to this about a third said that they feel valued at work and 44 percent said they, they they actually didn't feel valued so you know you've obviously got those that don't have an opinion on it but around a third so they felt valued and 44 percent so they definitely did not like actively did not feel valued and i think we can link those two last points together can't we because mm. if you don't feel like you're you're having your your opinions valued then that would explain why you're not feeling valued at work so we think that those two things have got um there's like a correlation there okay thank you it's really interesting and obviously at the Safeguarding podcast, we cover topics you know, predominantly to do with safeguarding, but I think actually staff well-being is really intrinsically linked with safeguarding of pupils because I think they, they don't uh, live in silos, do they? They are no. <laughs> very no. heavily linked. <laughs> no, I mean, think about these teachers that we're talking about. So you've got this 44% saying they're not feeling valued at work. If you're not feeling valued at work, when you come to raise a safeguarding concern, how how likely are you to to feel like you can actively go and you know, express your opinion about the concern that you've got and being able to to know that your professional opinion about the safeguarding concern that you're raising is being listened to yeah. you've also got the fact that you know we need to look after our own well-being in order to look after other people's and having the mental capacity to spot and identify issues with your with your students and with your fellows you know safeguarding isn't just about children it's about the adults that you work with too having the capacity to do that when you're stressed and you're overworked and your workload is really high of course you can't expect people to pick up everything you're you're asking them to do a really challenging job in terms of like looking after safeguarding Mm. on top of an already very very challenging job so unless you do look after your staff unless your staff well-being is high then you cannot be sure that safeguarding is going to be going to be taken uh, is going to be executed as as well as it could be because you need to be you know really mentally fit and really uh, capable to be able to do that job properly absolutely I was uh, just rereading the report this morning just to uh, refamiliarize myself with some of it. Refamiliarize myself with some of it. Um, 
And it was really interesting. So I one of the things I took out of it that actually 63% of schools are now using some kind of wellbeing survey. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting that they're obviously mm-hmm. switched on to this fact and they're, you know, trying to do something about it or trying yeah. to um, it, uh, take out the information as what needs to be improved. So uh, mm. I thought that was, that was a really good point. Um, 50% of schools are providing resources uh, of well-being to their staff um so that's that's a, a kind of a good news story I think because at least oh, it's showing definitely. it is a priority it's a high it's a high priority and I think it's recognizing that well-being like serving the well-being needs of your staff isn't an identikit like oh I'll just download that and I'll fix it with yeah. this if you're surveying your staff you're acknowledging the fact that each school is slightly different and each needs in a school is slightly different and you won't know unless you ask them and you know schools are really busy places and there's not always the chance that a teacher will have to say you know this is actually really impacting my well-being like this mm-hmm. poorly managed area of like x is is contributing to y y is not happening because they don't have time to tell tell their leaders that there's not you know their days are so busy so having the survey gives staff the opportunity to voice up small things that otherwise wouldn't ever be heard yeah. by having, you know, the, the option of a survey. And I also think there's a point, I don't know if, if you also find this, but it's really difficult to tell, to speak truth to power. That's an expression, isn't there? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, And it's, it's tricky. And I think there's such a hierarchy in schools and some of the most inexperienced teachers we know have lower levels of well-being because Mm -hmm. that's where the staff turnover is you have you're much more likely to leave the classroom if you've only only been in the classroom for a short amount of time and it's those teachers who might find it tricky to speak up to those that are the leaders in the school and having a survey that you know is anonymous that you know you know is frequently being done that you have a chance to say actually this is really a problem this is a problem for me it's a problem for me to be able to do my job and that is something that a survey can overcome definitely no it's really helpful thank you so so with that in mind then obviously doing your job you speak to a huge amount of schools and and understand uh the challenges they're facing what do you think that schools can do to really ensure the well-being of their staff um particularly those safeguarding leads or those in the wider safeguarding teams so this is something that on every school visit I do and every time I get a chance to like, have a good chat with a senior leader, I always want mm-hmm. to ask, you know, what is well-being like at your school? What's it, what's it like in the staff room? What do you hear? What have you brought in? I'm so mm. nosy. And it's <laughs> the, it's the schools where they, can, they, they, they find they've got high levels of staff well-being and that's backed up by having staff stay in post, they don't struggle to recruit, they um they can like how do we measure like a school with good well-being because it's one thing for a leader to say oh yeah well-being's great at my school it's like but how do you actually know so schools that i've been and visited and can support their claims of having high levels of well-being because they've got good retention they have like a staff recommendation scheme where they're they'll frequently employ new members of staff because their staff tell their colleagues or friends you know this is a great place to work you should come and work here so good schools things that they do supervision that often comes up as something that's really helpful for staff so if you're in a safe if particularly for designated safeguarding leads offering supervision is something that they say their staff find really valuable and not just limiting it to 
designated safeguarding leads, having it open to other members of staff too, because that's something that we know helps with um, processing, like personally processing some of the difficult things that teachers have to hear when they're dealing yeah. with safeguarding concerns in the school. And I think just having that sounding board, mm-hmm. just kn- knowing that, you know, you've made the right decision or, you know, mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, the, the right thing to do or you know, having that kind of reassurance, I suppose, of, of those processes for safeguarding leads because it is such a lonely place um, is really important. Yeah. And it's something that we discuss often on this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that we could really champion and help um, people in those positions to do and to share. And that reassurance, it might sound like a small thing, but all those things that you just said, you know, you're questioning yourself, you're thinking, you know, you're you're double guessing, like, was that the right decision? Mm-hmm. And you just need an experienced, qualified professional to listen to what you're saying and give you that reassurance and say, yes, mm-hmm. no, that was that was the right thing to do. Um, don't doubt yourself. And of course, in the role of of being a designated safeguarding lead, you get terrible amount of flack you're constantly getting pushback from other people who who because of the nature of the job will be saying no you know you shouldn't escalate that that's not you know that's not a problem you're overreacting and it's mm-hmm. you know it's, it's very difficult in all of that noise to hold you know to hold on to the fact that no this is the right thing i am making the right yeah. decision despite you know the challenges that you'll get from children too you know um some of the the cases that we we hear about so challenging and so difficult that having somebody say yes no that was fine that was the right thing and it's you know it's really important that's why um other professions have supervision you know stipulated they have to have it and i think there's a really strong argument to say that actually in teaching we need to have that same same requirement Mm. because it is so beneficial to the people that i've spoken to when they've they've introduced it in their schools yeah definitely and I think we've seen a, a bit of a shift as well more recently where the role of the safeguarding lead used to be, you know, one person, maybe two. But we're seeing a kind of more of a trend now to more a, a group of safeguarding leads with deputy yeah. DSLs. And, yeah. um, you know, so I think you can kind of share and spread the load a little bit. Is that something that and you that's oh definitely and it it came in the keeping children safe in education if you Mm -hmm. look at the wording of the last i think it's the last two updates they've altered the wording to reflect the fact that schools are more likely now to have a safeguarding team rather than just a single safeguarding person and this is great because you know like you just said that you described the loneliness of being the only safeguarding Mm -hmm. lead in the school it's it's not a job for one person what if that person's off sick what if that person is is on holiday like Mm -hmm. it's this is not a one person job this is definitely very very much a group and also you know having strong links with those um outside agencies and being able to when you are signposting parents to and um and children to access these other services they need to have for you as the on the safeguarding team an actual face at the end of it like you know who you're referring to and yeah. i've spoken to schools who've who've worked this sort of triage service where they they have the safeguarding concern brought to them but then they have weekly meetings where everybody comes together and although it's time consuming because actually physically being all in the same room together is a challenge <laughs> in the long run this saves time because when you are making those referrals when we are talking about cases caseloads can be dealt with much more quickly if yeah 
you know, you've got a full understanding of what the service that you're signposting to can offer. And you're not wasting time by saying, oh, you know, you need to go and see this person. Oh, actually, it turns out that's not the right service for you. You need a different, different person. Fully understanding what each service can, can provide for the child is really important. And having face-to-face meetings and having, you know, that whole holistic package for mm-hmm. a child who has got a safeguarding concern can Definitely. help with well-being because you feel like you're actually making a real difference to that child it's you know you can see the case being followed through that impacts well-being you know the, all of those t- smaller bits are addressed by having a bigger team and having good relationships with the services that you're referring to yeah definitely absolutely and are, are there other other things are there any other things that you could suggest that maybe staff look at uh, for their well-being uh, or the well-being of their staff so something that the Department for Education seems to be really interested in and is putting a lot of you know money and, and time behind is introducing more flexible working for staff mm. members. I mean, know from the wellbeing report this is something that um, that staff want to have. And yeah. they you know, this is not just about um, taking things away. It's more about, you know, streamlining how staff mm-hmm. meetings are run. It's about um, using decent behaviour management software to lighten the load. Like it's, yeah, you know, there's lots, lots of things you can do. But flexible working can be made possible if you do those other things. If that makes sense, like this is not just a one problem um, problem. This is a, yeah. a multiple problem with yeah. a solution that has many different parts of it. So flexible working is really important. Leaders will often say. And this is in the Department for Education reports they've they've put out when they've done their research into like why is flexible working not being offered in schools? And leaders say, you know, it's just not possible. We, you know, the way that we run things with our meetings and with the timetable, we can't make that work. And we know from our wellbeing report that there's um, a better way of running schools. You know, that you can streamline staff meetings, you can lighten the load with your behaviour management software, and that by doing those things will allow you to offer more flexibility to your teachers. Now, what might that look like? Um, I wrote a piece recently where we looked at schools that had introduced flexible working and one way that they managed it was timetabling PPA. So everybody had a PPA on an afternoon and they were allowed to then have an early finish and they completed that PPA time in their own time, right? So we all know that teachers work ridiculous hours and Mm -hmm. They don't they're not always able to choose when those hours take place because, you know, you've got to be in school between nine and three. And these these leaders said, look, this is ridiculous. They can be off off site. We can manage the number of staff we've got in school so that their being off site's not a problem. Yeah. So do your PPA when you want to do it. And that afternoon is your afternoon. And the staff that I spoke to at those schools said they use that time for all sorts of different things. Some of them had caring responsibilities. They, they sorted their caring responsibilities in that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Others had hobbies and interests that they were allowed to use that afternoon to, to pursue. They yeah. were allowed to be people as well as teachers. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is it's, uh, almost revolutionary. Oh, wow, I can actually do things <laughs> with my time and everyone's in school and this is term time how exciting and it's it's interesting how much um how much joy came from just having one afternoon a week where it was their time and they knew they were guaranteed to have it and um and that's as 
I say it's a simple thing to do, but I spoke to schools that were both small and large, you know, mats that had brought it in and standalone, like single academy mats and LEA schools. And each one were, was able to arrange the timetable to facilitate this. Mm-hmm. And they said that it impacted their staff retention, their staff mm-hmm. well-being. And actually, they felt that their teachers were less likely to call in sick, were more mm-hmm. likely to offer to cover colleagues because the goodwill the school had shown them and the trust, that feeling of trust that came up in the survey, yeah. clearly those teachers felt that they were trusted and were valued because they were wanting to give back to their school because the school had had given to them. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a friend uh, who is, uh, she's on the SLT uh, in a school in Brighton, a secondary oh. school. And she was saying that um, their school have just brought in these uh, four wellbeing days every year that they can have. Um, mm. And that could be to go to, you know, a sports day, uh, mm. Christmas concerts, uh, mm. any of those things. And then between them, they can um, cover each other's lessons. So I don't know how uh, the actual logistics of it work, but um, yeah. she said it's had a huge impact on her school. And it just means that they can do those family things that are really important yeah. to people or, you know, look after, you know, elderly relatives or yeah. those things that, you know, people do have uh you know, requirements to do outside of outside of yeah. work outside of school so um yeah and it was it was a really big success so it was really nice to see the impact of that and it's those days it's like being able to go and see your child's sports day does mm-hmm. make a huge difference to your relationship that you have with your children the feelings that you have about being um you know a parent and a professional and it's those it's I hate the expression you know, making memories, but really <laughs> it is it is kind of like that. Like my yeah. my I've got three daughters and they absolutely love sports and sports day is like their Christmas. And I'm so fortunate that I can take the time to and I you know, I can book holiday because I can take yeah. holiday during the school term and I can go and watch them. But my friends who are teachers don't have that luxury with their schools. Their schools won't always allow them the time off to go and watch things like Sports Day. And it's just seen as, you know, it's unfortunate, but you get the holidays. And, you know, that's that's a, a real hard pill to swallow. And mm. as schools, we expect our parents to come in and support the school. And we spend a lot of time trying to build positive relationships with, with, with um, students' parents. Parents are teachers too. You know, this mm-hmm. is teachers are parents. It's, it's that kind of, you've got to see the value in these things and being able to say, no, actually, it might be in term time, but this is important to my staff and it will help their general well-being if I can facilitate it. Let's find a way to do it because in the long run, you'll have staff that are more committed, more um, mentally capable to do the job that you're asking them to do and are mm-hmm. more likely to stay and work hard for you. Like it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. just... Uh, be a good human (laughs) if you can do it find a way to do it yeah we we touched a little bit upon this earlier as well and Mm. this was around the the kind of hierarchy and Mm. I suppose the um without without saying hierarchy it's more about the uh the importance that safeguarding is given Uh, within that kind of school structure um, and how safeguarding is taken seriously I suppose Mm -hmm. um, and empowering those 
for people doing those roles yeah. I mean obviously we know that it's everyone's responsibility but uh yeah. the, those safeguarding leads and those teams of people yeah. feel like they can you know escalate things and they've got the support yeah. of their head and they've got the support of the governors um and the safeguarding governor can champion them if they need to you know get a new policy pushed through or get yeah. a uh, referral pushed through for mm-hmm. instance they can get mm-hmm. additional support there so I suppose it's having that we talk about it um as a safeguarding culture um having yeah. it a, a positive safeguarding culture throughout but I think that's really important as well in the well-being of those staff Oh, definitely. And it's such a hard job. And if it's seen as unimportant by people who are perhaps new to the school or less experienced mm-hmm. teachers, then it's it's something that's going to grate upon you. Like if, yeah. you know, you're, you know, a safeguarding lead that what you're doing is uh, it, it's that kind of life or death role sometimes yeah it's this is it's it's about as serious as it gets when you're looking after children yeah and if you have any kind of feeling that people don't take it seriously or you know it's just an add-on thing or you know julia does that as well as you know being a classroom teacher but you know she's really just a classroom teacher or she does a little bit of safeguarding how insulting how insulting to to feel like your role is not recognized properly in the school and it should be a senior leader role and it should be something that everybody who walks into a school has you know has sight of it straight away that's it's best practice isn't it to have the the designated safeguarding lead image on the wall with their role and who you need to contact because everybody who walks onto a school site it should know who the designated safeguarding lead is shouldn't they definitely definitely it's something that's paramount we're talking about you know the lives of children therefore it doesn't get more serious than that yeah so yeah recognizing that in the hierarchy and i think recognizing that in the pay is really really important yes absolutely um just a little note on the that we we've actually developed a poster um free downloadable poster so that you can see who your safeguarding lead is that people can print out and put uh at the entrance or wherever in fact um yeah. so i'll put those in the show notes so people can um oh, can access yeah. them if they if they want I, I visit so many schools and i've seen so many different posters mm, <laughs> i feel like I a bit of a connoisseur of posters now <laughs> but it is something that you know you you should see within the first few minutes of being in the building isn't it isn't yeah, it definitely yeah brilliant um so let's just talk a little bit about how maybe schools can use this report then to put, improve well-being in their own settings what would you what would you say about that so I think the report is well worth a read to consider and reflect how those responses might match up to what you're seeing in your school. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting thing that, you know, we talk about all these leaders that have, have got surveys in place in their schools now. Look at your, your recent surveys, compare it to what generally is being felt in schools and see, you know, how do you? I think it's an important compare and contrast exercise, isn't it, to see, yeah. you know, how how are people feeling? And you can think about, you know, what the context is in your school. Um, there's some schools where funding's more challenging than others. You might be a, a, a leader of a special educational needs school where we know that funding is more challenging at the moment because of, yeah. you know, the changes to the budget and the what's happening in special schools. That's something to take into consideration when you're when you're thinking about it. It's a definitely 
important to compare and contrast. But the bit that I would focus on is the good news bits, the, the yeah. ones where they're saying what's going well. And I think that's that's the one where, yep, take a big holistic view, look at, look at everything, but let's see where staff are happy, why are they happy, can I make my staff happy like that? That would be mm-hmm. my, um, my go-to tip for leaders when they're looking at that report. Brilliant. Um, we talked about a couple of examples previously. Are there any other really good initiatives that you've kind of seen from schools or things that people are doing really well that have impacted staff and student well-being? This is something that I've I've spoken to a leader of a school who adopted this after seeing it work in the fire service. So it's something that the behavioural insights team shared mm-hmm. and it was um, something that they were they'd seen work with um with firefighters so mm-hmm. after firefighters had dealt with you know a, a fire which is mm-hmm. all yeah. other things that firefighters think. i'm now thinking about like what my experiences of fire <laughs> fire work um firefighter stuff i think it's mostly the chicago fire watching it on tv they do <laughs> other stuff too though right like they yeah. they go into other buildings that are like falling down yeah so you've gone out on a job and then you come back and to that d de-stress they were playing tetris before they okay. then rejoined their crewmates and you know went into yeah. other things and it, though tetris is probably the most basic and easy game you could imagine it was a mm-hmm. really useful way just to decompress yeah. and i think in lots of safeguarding guides you have this thing about you know go and make a cup of tea because like the ritual of making a cup of tea is it's yeah. good just to do something to ground you to do something that's familiar and you don't have to think about Mm-hmm. to then like become you again not everyone drinks tea it's not always mm-hmm. easy to drink a cup of tea but mm-hmm. this idea of um taking time to decompress and encouraging and this school had said that they'd encourage their staff after dealing with difficult referrals just go and play a game on your phone go and do something for three minutes set a timer for three minutes and do something mindless and yeah. then go back to the classroom because walking out of a meeting where you've got, you know, you're discussing distressing things or there's been heightened emotions and high levels of conflict to go from that into a classroom and start talking about Macbeth and the, you know, the witch's speeches in Act One. Like, no, 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 this is not, yeah. this is not going to help. This is not going to improve the way that you relate to the children in your class. This is not going to make it easier when Sam at the back starts kicking off about not wanting to to do chapter seven on on the fracture do you know what i mean like the normal a bee flies into the room and you just fly off the handle because you can't cut it's one extra thing we've all got to manage our own well-being and it's important that we allow staff to be able to manage it so asking Mm -hmm. your your staff members to go straight from difficult meetings into the classroom not a good idea this school took the approach of right before you go back you have three minutes to decompress someone will watch your class it's a tiny amount of time but giving staff that time means in the long run they're better teachers their well-being is looked after they'll be able to to meet the needs of their class it's that breathing space isn't it really it's that yeah it's it's really important and also I think in doing so doing something like that sets really positive examples of how people should deal with stress you know to to the to the people they're teaching to the kids to so I think you know that that role model setting um is really important 
oh, isn't it? Like we talk about in PSHE how important it is for our children to manage stress. And we talk to them about, you know, when it's exams, make sure your timetable breaks into your timetable so you're not just revising constantly, do things in 20 minute chunks. And then mm-hmm. as teachers, it's just like, right, flat out, work, 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 work. <laughs> we're like, yeah. oh, we're burnt out. I wonder why that could be. If you're, you know, we've got to be healthy models, role models for our pupils. And it's really important that we allow our staff to do the health things that we're telling children to do. If it's good for the children, it's good for the adults. Like we should all be um, addressing our mental health and making sure that we plan in breaks and that we can talk about, um, you know, I was feeling really, really stressed and I did this and you can, you're, you're walking the talk, you're walking the walk, talking the talk. You're Mm -hmm. doing what you're saying you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When we, when we spoke before, uh, you talked about the trickle down effect that 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 has and how that trickles down through from senior leaders through to other teaching staff yeah uh, through through to everybody uh, in the school so, so think, somebody yeah. once explained it to me it's like champagne you know when you do the champagne glasses and you have the oh, i love a champagne pool. analogy yeah and so if you're pouring in good stuff at the top mm-hmm. it will all trickle trickle down that's a nice one isn't it there's another unpleasant one that i've heard described when i went into a school they said it's the um, the fish rots from the head oh yeah ah. <laughs> so pretty is it there's two contrasting images for you to think about how well-being trickles down in schools yeah you've got you know if you've got a tower of champagne glasses and you're pouring champagne in the top those good feelings will be filtered down from the head teacher to the senior leaders the classroom teachers to the children everyone gets a little bit of that good feeling because the staff are not feeding off the stress of their the person that they report to on the contrast if you've got a fish, I think like a fish head, it rots from the yeah. head down. <laughs> if it, things are bad in a school, everyone's going to eventually feel that pressure and feel that unpleasantness because as humans, we naturally take with us the, the stress that others have, have shown to us mm-hmm. and pass on to our, the next person. And so, you know, this is why it, it, is all, it does all come from the top. And we've got to think teachers in a school do need to have their well-being needs met because it will impact the children in their classes if we don't absolutely that's really really helpful thank you so much for talking us talking to us today and inviting me on it's been really really good um people can find the well-being report or the school well-being report i should call it on tes.com but i will put the show notes um the link in the show notes so everyone can find that um and yeah it's definitely worth a read i think you know it's a really well written report uh you can grab 20 minutes grab a cup of tea uh read it at your leisure um and yeah there are just some really good salient points and it's a really good benchmarking um uh thing to be able to do for your school and see see where you're at compared to the national view really um so yeah that's everything um is there any little parting notes Grania? no i think i think i really hit the high with the champagne and the dead fish yeah that's fine <laughs> that was great <laughs> well on that note i'm gonna go and make myself a cup of tea um <laughs> it was really lovely talking to you thank you so much no thank you take care bye-bye bye thank you for listening to the safeguarding podcast For resources and more information about our safeguarding solutions, please visit thesafeguardingcompany.com. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe and feel free to rate us using whichever podcast provider you use.